Exodus 30 is where we're at this morning, this evening. We are here, and uh, we're in the last two chapters before Moses goes down to chaos. Moses is still on Mount Sinai receiving instructions from the Lord regarding you know, how Israel is to live, uh, the tabernacle, um, the uh, priestly garments, um, uh, the uh, consecration process is what we talked about last week. Uh, so there, there have been uh, some pretty, uh, some very, very detailed instructions from the Lord. Very detailed, down to you're going to do this, you're going to do that. We'll see this all uh, come into play when we get into the Levit into. Uh, well, we'll see uh, everything starting to get built and put together here, but at the end of the chapter, and then everything's uh, starting to get uh, implemented uh, regarding the priesthood when we get to you know, Levi, the, the Levites, Leviticus, right? So when we get into that. So um, we, uh, we've gone quite a ways. And so uh, the goal, hopefully, is, is to get through uh, 30 and 31 uh, this evening and see what the Lord... Uh, has for us here, there is a, um, uh, a another mention of the altar of incense. Uh, we've, we've seen the picture uh, of the altar of incense when I uh, showed them up there, but if anybody wants uh, to see them, uh, we can probably show you next week. Uh, I wouldn't want to do that to uh, Amanda's like fire fingers uh, and everything, and I won't torture the guys back there, you know. So, uh, so essentially, essentially, um, the, uh, the the tabernacle setup. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, the internal uh, part of it, where the altar of incense was. So uh, let's read uh, verse one. Says, "You shall make an altar." This is the Lord speaking to Moses, giving him the instructions regarding uh, the altar of incense. Uh, you shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its its width. It shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. So um, 18 inches wide, uh, 18 inches in length, and uh, three feet high is what's uh, being described there. Uh, its horns shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold, and you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Uh, two gold rings you shall make for it under the molding on both uh, its sides, um, uh, uh, both of its sides, uh, you shall place them on its two sides, and they will be holders for the poles with which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it before the veil uh, that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat, that is over the testimony uh, where I will meet with you. So what that's saying there is inside the inside the tabernacle, and it is to be the closest thing to the veil before the holy of holies on the other side of the veil. Is really what that what that's explaining there when it says the ark of the testimony, ark of the covenant. Uh, as we're uh, progressing through uh, at the ver end of verse seventeen, says where I will meet you. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, verse 7, Aaron shall burn on it uh, sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps, and he shall burn incense. Uh, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, uh, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. 
You shall not offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout all uh, through, uh, throughout your generations, it is most holy to the Lord. Okay, so uh, what we're looking at, those uh, first 10 verses that we're, we're reading here, is the description of the altar of incense. As we talked about, 18 inches square on the top, uh, 3 feet uh, tall. Uh, so there are supposed to be horns that were supposed to be one piece with it. It is to be overlaid with gold and have a gold molding all around. Uh, two rings uh, for the moldings. Uh, under the molding on both sides, right, with a lot of the things. There are the rings there, and then there are the poles to carry these things. Uh, so same same type of concept. And uh, the poles themselves are made of acacia wood overlaid with gold and carried uh, like the ark, the altar, uh, and the table. So some things uh, were given instructions on how to how to move those. Uh, and what we'll get to is uh, the, the bronze uh, labor, when we get to that, there really isn't an instruction on how that's to be moved. So uh, just interesting here that we, we do have that. Now, the location, like I said, it's uh, to be in the uh, the, uh, the tabernacle uh, just before the, the veil, the Ark of the Testimony, Ark of the Covenant, right before the Holy of Holies is where this was to be. So before, uh, uh, in front of uh, that Holy of Holies uh, veil, where in the back where the mercy seat was. And um, in the holy place, uh, you would have uh, this altar of incense, the golden lampstand, and the table of showbread. Like we, we've seen this, we've actually seen it uh, visually depicted up here uh, on the screen to help us kind of understand where that would, um, how that would be laid out. Uh, I said it before already, but the end of verse six says, "Where I will meet with you." That's the whole purpose of the tabernacle was for God to meet with them. And, that, and, uh, and for them to serve God. So there's this wonderful uh, place of worship that, that was being set up here. And very intricately, right? Because Moses was making something uh, according to the heavenly pattern. Uh, so it's, 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 uh, God was giving him very specific instructions on, on what he was to do. And uh, that's why when it gets into this is what you're supposed to make, this how it's supposed to be a picture of, of uh, something that the Lord had revealed to him already. So uh, the use of this. So Aaron would burn sweet incense uh, every morning uh, when he would uh, tend the lamps. And uh, it says that he shall burn incense on it. And when he lamps uh, lights the lamps uh, at twilight, he was to offer incense on it. So uh, essentially what this is saying is a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout the generation. So very sacred thing. Um, now understand uh, if I, I think I know pretty much. Yeah, I do. Uh, everybody in here and um, uh, you're, you're here on a Wednesday night and uh, not that anybody who can't be here isn't as spiritual or anything. But I, I know uh, that that everybody here is you're, you're serious about your walk and you probably understand what these incense are representing. They're representing prayer. Uh, and we're going to get into that here uh, very soon. Uh, we'll look at some verses that say that. But consider how precious the prayers are to God, where these are very specific instructions 
on for prayers to be these incense to be uh, burnt uh, in the morning and in the evening. There's there's great symbolism uh, representing continual incense, continual prayer uh, being offered up to the Lord. Now, uh, the the as we describe this altar for for the Jews at the time was to be outside the veil. And that veil was that separation, right? We've talked about this several times, that separation point between God and man. Uh, one day a year, which we're going to get to here pretty soon, uh, Aaron or the next high priest or whatever would be able to go in there and minister on behalf of Israel. And uh, we'll get into that in depth here in just a moment. But for us, this is quite an amazing thing to understand is that veil doesn't exist anymore. There's no more separation for the Christian, uh, you know, for the, for the believer in Christ. We don't we don't have to have these incense. We can just go straight to uh, into the presence of God when we want to pray. Uh, that's that's quite a powerful thing to, for us to consider, which we might kind of take uh, for granted sometimes. Uh, but to understand how precious this was to the Lord and and how much it meant that it was to be offered every morning and every night, that it would be perpetual it would always be rising up to the Lord. Uh, very powerful. Psalm uh, 141 verses 1 through 2 says, a Psalm of David, Lord, I cry to you, make haste to me, give ear to my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. He's referencing this whole process. David is referencing that. He says, verse 2, let my prayer be set before you as incense, right? And it says, the lifting of up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. He's talking about that same process, what it meant. It, David, David understood what this meant. It wasn't just a, something to be carried out. There was a symbolism there uh, that as, uh, you know, when God says for us to do something, there's a reason for it. It's not just to just do something. God is doing it because there's a purpose attached to it. Roman, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. My mind went right to Romans. I saw the R5-8 and went to Romans 5-8. But Revelation 5-8 says, Now when he had taken the scroll, when Christ had taken the scroll, this heavenly vision that, that John was able to see and, and write down, he says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, Jesus, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That the we can actually see prayer being presented before the throne of God. That's that's amazing. It's a it's a beautiful thing to understand what this incense is to uh, represent. Now, uh, as we've seen what was to happen, how it was to be built, and what it was there for, and everything. Uh, to understand prayer. Prayer is sacred communication with God. It's a very special and precious thing. It's very necessary for us, and it's also very precious to him. But, you know, when we consider, well, what do we do? What is prayer? Uh, when, when we go and we can, we can talk to God, we, we have that direct connection with God uh, through this, because of what Jesus Christ did to tear that veil. That veil was torn when, when Christ died. The veil was, was torn from top to bottom. Uh, that, that's the symbol from God showing that there's no more separation, that Jesus Christ, Christ met the need. And uh, now we can go to him. We can go to him with prayers of, of praise. We can cry out to him for need or uh, for strength or whatever it may be. It might be for thanksgiving. 
uh, might be for petitionings or, or, or whatever it is, but uh, we, can, we can go to him for anything. When we don't know what we ought to pray, ever been there? I don't know what to pray. My heart just, and my mind, you know, we all know that our emotions can, can lie to us, right? So we can't trust our feelings, but sometimes we are going through it, and we just know, don't know what to say, right? There's the blessing of knowing this. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you realize what we're just reading here? It's probably not, not brand new to us. But as we slow down and look at it, this is actually God interceding in prayer for us to mention for us what because what it says for uh, we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered that the holy spirit recognizing the fact that we don't know what to pray for as we ought that as we're walking with the lord we understand that he's interceding for us and and meeting those needs that we sometimes don't even know what to pray for right and the Lord, having the Lord uh, to be able to, to, to do that for us, the Holy Spirit to do that for us, making intercession for the saints according to the will of God, to those that are you know called by his name, you know, right? Because the next verse is, for all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We may not know what we need, right? Right? But God is making intercession so that all those things will work for us. Right, we it's it's uh, he's he's amazing. How great is our God? We just sang it, right? So there's a warning contained in here. Verse nine says, "You shall not offer strange incense on it. Anything other uh, than what was specified uh, in the scripture that what we just read." Now your mind might go to Nadab and Abihu, who, who uh, experienced they lost their lives because uh, they uh, they offered. Uh, what the ESV uh, reads as uh, unauthorized uh, fire before the Lord. The King James calls it profane fire before the Lord. Either way, uh, they were only permitted to take it uh, from the brazen altar. They took it from another source. We'll get to that in Leviticus 10 and dive into it a little bit more. But essentially what they were doing uh, is, is listed in Leviticus 10. It says that they were doing contrary to God's command. To his command. So uh, we see how serious these things are uh, to the Lord. He doesn't take them lightly. And uh, so so God is very sincere um, in, in what he's saying here. And God wants sincere and genuine worship from us and nothing uh, polluted or ingenuine from us. Uh, so uh, he, he wants a sincerity to be there. He even says... Uh, to Moses, there not there wouldn't be burnt grain or drink offerings. This is for incense only. It's to be set apart for incense. Uh, and then we see the introduction. The 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 only thing that uh, other than incense that is uh, allowed is in is listed in verse ten. And uh, this whole process, this uh, Day of Atonement, if you want to read ahead, is found in Leviticus 19. So if you are, uh, you know, want to match these up, Leviticus 19 will explain the whole process. 
But it says, uh, verse 10, And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Now, this description of the day of atonement, uh, that uh, you know, on that day Aaron was uh, required to anoint the horns of the altar with the blood of the atoning sacrifice uh, in only one day a year. So, uh, you'll see if uh, I'll give you a very brief description of uh, what this is talking about. So Aaron was uh, to offer a bull for him and his family, uh, but then to offer, also bring in two goats. And uh, there was one to be what's called the scapegoat, right? So one would live, one would die, right? So they're you know looking at each other, you know, doing rock paper scissors or something. I don't know, right? So so one one uh, would die for the sins of Israel, and uh, and then the other would be a scapegoat, and they'd be led outside of uh, the city and uh, and to be set off into the wilderness uh, as the scapegoat, so that, uh, representing their sins going away, right? But there's also the atonement that had to happen there. So when we see this is being described, Aaron would go in and he would offer uh, these uh, these offerings. So I encourage you to go check out Leviticus 19 to understand it a little bit better. We know that that is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us, that the sinless one would be offered, that the veil would be torn, and there's no longer the separation, right? We've uh, talked about that already. But uh, what I love here is just talking about prayers being offered daily, um, and uh, morning and night uh, prayers are being offered, uh, offered up, uh, just like the incense that are being uh, described here. Verse 11 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for uh, their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that, they, uh, that there may uh, be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those uh, who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 geras. Uh, the uh, half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not uh, give more and the poor shall not give less than a half a shekel. When you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement to, uh, for yourselves, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So now we move on, verses 11 through 16 <clears throat> here. Uh, discussing this ransom money that's uh, being mentioned. And uh, this is being described, It's uh, the, the process itself says, uh, when the census is taken of the children of, uh, of Israel. Now this will happen twice in the book of Numbers, uh, but there would be uh, more census. Censuses became annual uh, later on also. So every man, uh, it says, shall give a ransom for himself. Um, every man uh, 20 years of old or older uh, must be when they were considered men uh, because uh, that's also the age that they could go to battle. So uh, when you consider uh, the age of 20. So it says that there, there was a half a shekel required and the shekel was 20 geras. 
not overly important for us to understand, uh, you know, how much it weighs, but to understand that they understood uh, what it meant that the, these uh, this half shekel, uh, how much it actually weighed in those things. I think I might bore you if we really went through, uh, uh, you know, going through some of the explanations. I'm like, I'm just going to summarize it and say, hey guys, it made sense to them and they understood it. If you want to research it. Great. Go ahead and do so. I just don't want to put you guys to sleep. It is Wednesday night, right? So, uh, but essentially half a shekel for each person. Uh, now, understand they weren't redeemed by the money. It served as a reminder of what God had done for them, as it says in verse 16. Uh, so, but it says that they shall give. Um, now, understand if you if you look at, at verse 11, it says that every man shall give a ransom for himself. Uh, that's uh, to me what jumps out of that is there is more required of men. There's more accountability. There's more responsibility on the shoulders of men. We're responsible for more. Not that we're more important, ladies. I love you all. That's not what I'm saying at all. Men are we're to bear the load. That's that's the, we're we're the ones to bear the responsibility. So when when it says here that that man should be giving ransom for them. We, we are held to a high standard where there's there's much expected of us. So when when it comes to this man going, this was a physical reminder. Half shekel, um, you know, that's five. If you look at converted to today's, that's 500 something bucks, you know, that these guys would have to bring. That's that's a lot. Right. So you're not that's not going to be forgettable. It's not like, you know, when you walk by um, the Salvation Army guy ringing the bell. I, I got a kick in and, and I'm not pleased understand. I'm not making fun of them, but I kind of looked and I just saw this guy this week. He just got his head down, just ringing the thing. And I, I'm like, man, this guy has no joy in doing what he's doing. I wouldn't either. It was a windy, cold day, right? He's got to be out there, you know, ringing the bell, but it, we can be, we can easily forget. Oh, Hey, I'm going to take out a dollar uh, and, and shove that in there or five, whatever somebody's moved to give or whatever. But, uh, but this isn't one of those things. I mean, you're going to know 500 bucks is a lot of money. You, you know, especially for the hardworking, um, uh, you know, Israel, uh, Israelite at that time, uh, they're, they're going to come up and they're going to give this half shekel and, and what amounts to what would be a little over $500 uh, in today's economy. So that, that's a significant thing. They're not going to forget it. Uh, so I, I love here that it's calling out the men because men are supposed to be the leaders. Men are supposed to be the ones that are 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 uh, responsible, that are accountable, uh, so that there's there's more required of us. So I, I do like that it calls us out. So if there's any question on whether we're supposed to be uh, take you know bearing the load and and uh, and taking on responsibilities, absolutely yes we are. So it, it, and it says here it's the same required for all. If somebody's rich. They don't give any more. If they're poor, they don't give any less. That's a that's a great thing uh, to read in there, right? Now we saw that, but but the Lord would make provision if somebody uh, was poor uh, in some offerings, right? It would be okay. Well, you can give two turtle doves, right? In some of those things, so there were provisions, but not for this. This was supposed to be that that uh, reminder that that really like is going to grab your attention, right? That, that's a lot of money. It's going to grab the attention. It's going to make them remember why they're doing this, right? Because that's what it says in, in verse 16. It's, it says that uh, it shall, uh, you shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel uh, before the Lord, that it would remind them. 
it's it's not going to be easily forgotten. This was a powerful thing. Verse 12 uh, continued. It said that there may be no plague among you uh, when you number them. So a census was determined to, uh, you know, really it was set to number the people that belong to God. Now, uh, you may remember uh, through your studies that uh, David took it upon himself uh, to take a census of the people. So uh, understand that, that the people belong to God, and if he called for a census, it would be as God command. And as long as uh, they were doing what they should, they wouldn't have to worry about anything. But David um, seemed to lose track of who the children of Israel really belonged to, and he made a census. Joab tried to talk him out of it, and he got overruled by the king, and he still went out and did what he was supposed to do. And it cost the children of Israel dearly uh, as there was a plague that was a result. And uh, the Lord uh, you know, ministered to David and, and called him to repentance, and he repented. But it did come at a great cost. So uh, Israel belonged to God. It didn't belong to David. So when there's a an, an, uh, census uh, taken, it's from God, and this was uh, supposed to take place when God ordained a census uh, to take place. So it's a set amount. Uh, this is uh, uh, it's it's practical and symbolic. Uh, we're all in debt to God, right? You know, if we consider what God has done for us, not that we can we can somehow go, okay, well, you paid it, now I've got to pay you back. That's not it at all, right? Uh, you know, there's a the, this right here was a, a commanded sum just to serve as a reminder to them, but it's also described as an offering to the Lord. Uh, so as they're 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 giving this uh, to the Lord, there's an an offering. Now, when we get to uh, Exodus 36, we're going to see an overwhelming response when uh, when uh, Moses tells everybody uh, what they're to bring and for all of those to give of their own free will. And then things just start heaping up, and then they have to actually command people to stop giving. And I can't wait to get there. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, not because I'm, you guys know me so much better uh, than that, but it's not like, a, oh, hey, here's a pastor talking about giving. No, it's that free will that people didn't have to give, but they were so excited to worship God. That's, that's, uh, I get so excited about that. Anything offered to God should be given with gladness, including this, right? They should be able to look back. What has God done for me? And what did God command? I'm going to give because he tells me to, and I'm going to do it with, with gladness in my heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? Instead of giving, <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, no, no, it's the joy. It's I remember, you know, I can, I'm going to reflect upon what God has done for me and uh, give uh, according to uh, how the Lord has worked in my heart. Now, what is the purpose of this money? Verse 16 says, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and you shall appoint for it for the service of the tabernacle meeting. So there's our so what they're doing is all of Israel is taking part in uh, taking care of the physical needs of the church and providing for uh, whatever with the tabernacle, I should say, uh, what was needed. And it says that it may be a memorial to the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So uh, the uh, what's interesting is when we get to Exodus 38, we're going to see that this silver that was given was actually used to make sockets inside the tabernacle. That they would be able to go, hey, you know, I was a part of that. 
what a what a wonderful thing to to look at this amazing thing that God had had them put together, and that they know that they had a part of it. That there's actually a part of something that they gave uh, that's that's uh, a part of that thing even even standing there. So it's quite what a privilege for them to be uh, able to be a part of such a work. And it also taught them a detachment from money that's good, right? Um, money, we can get to a point where money means too much to us, right? And I, I love that the Lord just says, no, everybody's going to give this. And uh, it's going to be a part of, of something cool. And I, I don't think there are very many of them that were begrudgingly given, you know, doing the grumbling and everything. I think, um, you know, even though it was, it was a, a large amount, I think that these people were, uh, were excited to see what God was doing uh, in their midst. So it's a memorial before them. Now for us, you know, we can consider what, it, what has God done for us? What is the, the thing that we would need to remember? First Peter chapter one, verse 18 and 19 say, uh, verses 18 and 19 say, uh, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct uh, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, that we were redeemed by the one that was without blemish, without spot, by his blood being shed. So for us, that so we see the physical re reminder for them to give the half shekel, right? For us is the spiritual reminder of what is what you know what is paid for us. This is knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. It wasn't like a small or common thing that was used to redeem us and to, and, and, uh, to redeem us to God. It was God Himself and His blood being poured out for us. The one without blemish, uh, the one without spot. So there's a, a powerful, uh, a powerful depiction of a, an atonement that we receive. Uh, from the Lord. Verse 17. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a labor of bronze, with its base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. And you shall uh, put water in it, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their feet and uh, sorry, wash their hands and feet in water from it when they go into the tabernacle meeting or when they come uh, near the altar to minister to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord. Uh, they shall wash uh, with water lest they die. So uh, they shall wash their hands and their feet lest they die. So you can see the lest they die brought up twice. Pretty important, right? Yeah, you, know, you know, this is this is like, hey, I'm going to get this tattooed on my hand, lest I die, right? So, uh, and it shall be a statute forever uh, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. So, uh, here here we see the bronze labor. So this this water jug uh, that's being described here that they would uh, go and uh, the priests would wash their hands and their feet. Now. Uh, this is separate from what we studied last week in, in Exodus 29, verse 4, that says, And Aaron and his sons you shall wash, uh, you, sorry, you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle uh, of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Uh, that was for the consecration process and the ceremony. This is talking about the day-to-day -day process that they need to. So this is separate. So now the bronze laver would be uh, made for them to wash themselves daily. 
Um, so this was something they would carry out every single day. They'd wash their hands and their feet, and it was put between the tabernacle meeting and the altar. So uh, there's nothing mentioned about its uh, dimensions or the transportation of it, as we spoke earlier, uh, but it would be filled by the Levites. So it says that they would put water in it and that they would go, they'd wash their hands, their feet when they'd go into the tabernacle or when they came near the altar to minister. So uh, when they had to burn uh, an offering made by fire to the Lord, uh, they have to uh, do this. So they have to have clean hands clean feet. And uh, we'll talk about that here a little bit more. But essentially what God is saying is you have to approach him and worship him according to uh, his rules, not uh, what we uh, want to be able to do. And we'll look into that here in a little bit uh, also here. But uh, verse 21 says, so they shall wash their feet lest they die. So clean hands. Uh, we talked about this last week, the clean hands um, representing that what we do uh, would be uh, pure before the Lord, the clean feet, you know, the, the clean walk with him, uh, washed as God had prescribed. So walking in him uh, leads to life. Uh, the rejection of God would lead to death. You know, consider we can be washed in his blood uh, and uh, walk in his way and experience life, or we can uh, be disobedient and uh, do what we own, what we want to do and walk where we want to walk in those things and experience a life separated from God. Uh, I'll take the first option, uh, please, for 500, right? Uh, it's just kind of one of those, like, you know, if, if I'm answering uh, the question of which one do you want, that's that I'm, I'm good with that. And it says it should be a statute forever throughout their generations. So the encouragement there is, hey, guys, listen up. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go doing this. Don't take this lightly. You are to wash. You are to be pure before the Lord. So uh, consider uh, a pure life that is to be lived uh, before the Lord, right? We talked about that, that, be holy for I am holy. These are these are pictures of washing that was required by them because they were wearing their priestly robes. So what you know, whatever was being used to minister, right? Uh, the, you know, the dirty feet, because they're ministering out there all day, and their hands, they were to wash them before um, uh, making an offering before the Lord. Verse 22, moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much uh, sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 uh, shekels, 250 uh, uh, shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekels of the sanctuary, and a hin of oil. Everybody got your measurements right? Yeah, right. I can't even figure out how many teaspoons and tablespoons and all those things. And it made sense to these guys, okay? Uh, verse 25, And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand, and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the labor and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. 
So this anointing oil, and it says 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, 250 of each cinnamon and cane. Sounds like it really does smell. Really, I love cinnamon, cinnamon anything, right? Jen uh, and the girls actually uh, got these uh, the cinnamon sticks that you can use. Those things are powerful, by the way, okay? We took out, we did our Christmas tree, and um, we and we have a cinnamon candle too. So um, we took those out, and like my eyes are burning. I'm like... Jen's like, I think we use too much, right? But I love cinnamon anything, right? You know, go to, you know, get a coffee or anything, and they're like, hey, we got a cinnamon cream cold brew. Um, sign me up, right? And so cinnamon's uh, always uh, intriguing to me. So when I read this, that sweet-smelling cinnamon sounds awesome to me. And five uh, 500 shekels of cassia and a hint of olive oil. So what is, what is said here, make from these a holy anointing oil. Uh, interesting here says, according to the art of the perfumer, uh, one that's gifted in this, if this doesn't say that there's various gifts that God gives us, these people, what they were designed to do, what God has designed them in their, in their brains, in their mind, they were made by God to be perfumers, right? That's these people, excuse me, uh, were, were the ones that would put this all together. So they would get all these things, as Moses prescribed, and then the person that's responsible for this, that's been gifted in this way. We're going to see this when we get to uh, chapter 31, too, uh, the gifts that are used. But this specific person was the one that specialized in this, right? So uh, there aren't a whole lot of guys that I know that are, that are probably going to walk around with a big badge today and say, hey, I'm a perfumer. Right. So it's just not necessarily the most manly of jobs. Right. You got the artisans, the guys that are, you know, forming all the, you know, the carpenters and all these that are doing all those things. And you got the guy over there making perfume or the lady. I don't know. Just as the artisan, the uh, perfumers. Right. But this is a special gift for them that they could do. Consider what they're making. They're making anointing oil. And this anointing oil wasn't to touch man. It was specifically for the tabernacle and everything within the tabernacle, the ark, the altar of, of uh, incense, the table, uh, the, the, the lamps, everything was to be covered uh, in this oil. It, it says, with it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting. And, and it explains all of these things and their utensils, even the labor that we just read and its base to be covered in this oil. We, we know what this means, right? This is a... Uh, it's a picture, it's a mark of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, that's that's being described here. That, that in ministry, the mark of the Holy Spirit should be in everything and on everything. And what it says is, consecrate them uh, that they may be they uh, may be most holy. Whatever touches them uh, must be holy. Uh, and uh, there's the, uh, consider uh, what that means. So everything. The labor, everything is supposed to be covered and anointed in this uh, this very special oil. Uh, and it's exclusively for worship, as God prescribed. And uh, this is where I said that we would get into it a little bit more. Many will say, well, you know, I can worship God in my own way. Well, who says I need to go to church to worship God? I can do so when I'm out walking in the woods. I can, no, absolutely do it then. Absolutely, because that's when we're most likely, I mean, there isn't often that I'm sitting in here and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking around at what man has kind of put together that I'm in awe, of, you know what I mean? But I, I get overwhelmed when I go outside and I see the work of God's hands, right? My my oldest daughter, Maddie's doing um, in uh, one of her, her, her classes, she's an education major and, 
and uh, I've seen her uh, over the past couple weeks. She's got a, She downloaded this app that will help her see the constellations. I can't. I don't even know what the app is. But she's out there and she's taking, but having having her, you know, she's out there and she's looking and she's like, sometimes it's hard to be able to see, you know, I can tell where the, I think most of us can figure out, and I say that because I question even myself with the Big Dipper. Laugh if you need to, okay, but I'm always looking, I, I'm, I, I need things to be pretty obvious for me. I'm not the most observant person. And, uh, but, uh, you know, somebody else can go, oh, see, here, here's the handle here. I'm like, that looks like a handle right there too, you know, uh, but, but regardless, we're going to get overwhelmed by by what God has made, right? Yes, we should worship Him out when we're, you know, what. There's my one of my favorite things to do is get on the kayak and go out and just be out there. It's on the calm water and just be out there. You know, go somewhere and and just be talking to the Lord, just kind of going along. I love doing that, right? So yes, we should worship God in in, in those places where where we just uh, are enjoying His company. But unfortunately, nearly, no, I can't even say nearly. I think everybody that I've heard say that are saying, I don't have to go to church. That's what they're saying on the, on the, uh, the undertone of it is church, uh, church isn't going to be beneficial for me. I don't need to go. That's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. You know, yes, we should be praising him when we see these things. But the, God is prescribing worship in a very specific, we see this, right? In everything that we've read so far, even in this chapter, worship is very specific for the Lord, right? And how they're supposed to do these things. And he, he commands us uh, in the scriptures to worship with other people, to be in fellowship. Yes, we should praise him and you know wherever we are and all that we're doing and all that we say. Our, our lives should be that, right? That continual incense that's a blessing to him uh, along with our prayers. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Can we do that if we're not around other people? We're not stirring anybody else up around us, right? If we're, if we're by ourselves saying, no, I'm just going to worship God in the woods. I'm going to worship God here or there. No, this is this is a command in the scripture. Hebrews 10, 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is uh, the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Churches, not that it wasn't necessary back then, but what's being read here, what's being said here by the writer of Hebrews, I believe Paul, um, some think Luke, who cares as far as it doesn't really matter. Don't like start getting into fistfights over it or something, you know. But uh, essentially, the writer of Hebrews is the Holy Spirit. And uh, what we're uh, reading here is it says, consider one another in order to stir up one, uh, uh, stir up love and good works. Right. And then it goes on to say, exhorting one another. We can't do that if we're forsaking the fellowship. We're supposed to be here, right? And, I, I mean, it's it's great to see uh, everybody here on Wednesday night. I wish everyone that's here on Sunday morning would be investing. And I'm not uh, – please, uh, this uh, it, it automatically goes there, and I don't mean it to. But uh, I just – my desire – I mean, uh, I, I oversee this church. I'm the pastor here. My desire is to see everybody grow, well-fed. 
all right, and growing in the walk. I don't want to see somebody, like, see them Sunday to Sunday, and then maybe it might be three, four Sundays down the road, and they haven't been in the church, they haven't been in the Word uh, by themselves, and they come in spiritually just feeble. And you can tell, right? Uh, you, you just, and it just, oh, you're putting yourself through so much. Just come in. Just dive into God's Word. Dive into your relationship with Him, and we're going to experience the blessing. But so, yes, that, that, uh, that, uh, worship, you know, as God prescribes it, it's supposed to be done corporately. Yes, we should praise God and worship Him uh, individually, but also, oh, the importance of of corporately worshiping the Lord and being with Him, being surrounded by others. That it even that it even says that He would stir up. I think. Hold on. Um, uh, consider one another. You'd stir up love, stir up love and good works. Hey, love you guys. You know, whatever. Hey, let's let's go do something cool for somebody, right? You know, though I, I will say the um, uh, the tree, uh, and we put the the, the tags. The ladies uh, put together some tags. By the end, of, like if you weren't aware, all twenty or twenty five, however many of the things that were out there, were gone after the first service uh, for the 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 stuff for the tree uh, there for uh, first step pregnancy resource center. We just decided, well, we got a beautiful tree, and the Lord just led us to let's do something with it for somebody else, you know, instead of just having this thing all lit up. Oh, it's pretty, you know, it's it's going to serve a good purpose. Praise God, right? <clears throat> Why am I saying that? I don't remember. Verse thirty, and you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. Now, how would they consecrate them? Uh, that was what we studied in uh, chapter 9, so review that personally if you need to. Uh, Aaron and his sons uh, were consecrated so that they uh, may minister uh, to the Lord, and uh, that consecration was mandatory. Uh, you know, when you consider uh, consecration itself, it's being set apart from unclean things to avoid uh, contamination, especially uh, we don't want to have any type of contamination in our relationship with the Lord, right? That consecration, it's a must for anyone that's going to minister uh, to the Lord. Verse 31. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, uh, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me uh, throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make it uh, and make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. So uh, he's speaking. Uh, the Lord is explaining this to Moses, uh, and, and he says to them that he needed to speak to the children of Israel that, so that they might understand. He says uh, that it shall be a holy anointing oil to him, to the Lord, throughout their generations. Um, that uh, is another explanation of uh, worship, protected worship as prescribed by God, uh, and it would be passed down uh, throughout their generations. And uh, there's the warning. You shall not make any like it according to its composition. It's holy. It shall be uh, separate to you. So that special re re uh, recipe was for uh, worship only. So only to be used uh, for very sacred worship. And there were serious uh, consequences for those who didn't obey it and tried to replicate it. Uh, and it's not for an outsider. It's for believers only. So uh, that for an outsider, uh, that they, they wouldn't be trying to even, uh, you know, there may be an implication there of somebody making it and selling it. Well, we can't put anybody on here, but maybe on an outsider. No, 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 no. It's not to go to anybody. 
This is specifically only for uh, for worship and only uh, to be used uh, for worship. And uh, the Lord was sure to make sure that everybody knows, as he said in verse 31, speak to the children of Israel. Very important, very serious matter. Uh, don't try to substitute um, uh, or duplicate the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Because this oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit being poured out on ministry, right? Because all of these things were used for ministry. All of these utensils were used for ministry. And what God is saying is don't mess around with this. This has a very sacred and very specific use uh, in their worship that it must not be duplicated and it should not be substituted. They, they shouldn't be trying to uh, put it on anybody or anything. It's to be used in this very specific manner. That's uh, when we consider we don't want to, although uh, man with uh, sinful and, and uh, uh, selfish intentions may be moved to try to uh, duplicate uh, the um, or even imitate uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, strictly forbidden. That that should that should not be for any type of ministry. That anybody would would try to substitute uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's very very popular in in the church today to consider. Um, and and I'm going to get into. Uh, I'll just talk about it this way. Um, not because we just do this here and we don't have. There's a reason we don't have lights and fog and all that stuff. Because I believe there's a, a, a um, uh, lights and fog are cool when I'm at a concert, you know. You know, if I'm just at a concert or whatever, oh, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing, you know, or whatever. Dry ice is awesome, right? It creates this thing. But to to bring it up here and to try to stir up something, stir up someone's emotions, what we're doing is create, creating an emotional setting. Are we trying to take the place of the Holy Spirit and say, because I've actually heard, like, no, we're doing this because, you know, it's going to bring more people. If it's going to bring more, what you're saying is, is those people won't come unless you try to do these things that would be trying to substitute the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, remember in the book of Acts, it says, the it says that the Lord added to the church daily. The Lord adds to the church daily. It doesn't say that. So the church totally just decided that they were going to uh, go through the uh, you know some church growth uh, studies and uh, they're going to learn you know what what how do we need to paint the, the the church what do we need to do for advertising look I'm all for reaching the lost I am but I'm not all for asking the Holy Spirit to move out of the way so that we can go do things on our own strength that is not it will never be uh, the the process that we step into here uh, that the Lord would never allow us I pray. Uh, to do that, uh, that's uh, it, we we will trust God to lead and guide us. If if God wants this church to increase, and He wants to bring people here. He'll bring them here, but we're not going to start start trying to substitute or uh, or or take the place of the Holy Spirit in our ministries here. We're just not going to. There's not going to be the compromise there, so that it, it might be more eye appealing and create more excitement and those things. Because then, where's the relationship? What if the lights are out? People are going to leave. They're like, worship was terrible today. Hated it. You know, the fog machine didn't work. The lights went out. I couldn't even worship. Okay. So without... <laughs> that is awesome, Mick. Oh. So <laughs> with... <laughs> Yeah, without those things, if 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 worship can't help happen without those things, 
uh, something's off. Something's wrong. The incense. Verse 34, And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices of those three things and pour incense uh, with these uh, sweet spices. There uh, shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these inc an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfu for perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine and put it, uh, sorry, put some of it before the testimony of the tabernacle of meeting where I will meet with you. There it is again, right? Where God meets. God is creating all these things. He's telling them, hey, guys, this is so I can meet with you. That's so awesome. Uh, I mean, it shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense, which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves. According to its composition, it shall be holy to the Lord. Uh, whoever makes any like it to smell it, uh, he shall be cut off from his people. So the incense, right, uh, uh, this similar thing, equal amounts of these sweet spices. Um, and, uh, also uh, regarding, uh, you know, these incense would be uh, prayers, uh, symbolizing prayers of the saints that are sweet to the Lord, right? According to the art of the performer, one, uh, perfumer, uh, once again, various uh, gifts and talents from the Lord. I like here it says salted, pure, and holy. Uh, that's pretty pretty neat. Uh, it might just be me that gets a kick out of that. But uh, beat some of it very fine. Put it uh, before the testimony of the tabernacle meeting. Again, where it says here, where I will meet with you. Always a sweet blessing to be with the Lord, isn't it? That time where we can just block everything out. I love that that sweet time. I, uh, um, you know, sometimes I've, uh, you know, my wife and I are up before the kids, and and uh, you know, she may be up because my dog's mauling me uh, in the bed, and he literally tries to swallow my forearm when I wake up. I don't know what it is, but he's just so excited to see me, right? And and Jen's already made her way out to the kitchen. She's, uh, you know, I heard the coffee make a coffee pot going or whatever, and and uh, uh, she's sitting on the couch just sitting there uh, doing her daily devotions, that sweet time for her just to sit there. And, and for me, it's usually at the desk or at the table and just having that sweet time just to be with the Lord and let the word just come in to pour the word into our lives, right? Because we're about to go out into craziness, right? I mean, I, you know, consider some of the store. I won't mention names, but you, you could go into a certain large superstore, right? <laughs> right? And you can go in there and, and just be like, I thought I saw it all. You know, I, I was leaving one uh, just the other day, and I see a guy kind of crumpled up, uh, and he's sitting on one of the um, the handicap, uh, the motor scooters there. And he's sitting there when I came in, and he's sitting there more crumpled, just kind of, I don't know what he was doing, but that was the place. It, it, just like, there he is. You know, there's just going to be so much like nonsense that we're going to see in a day or so many things that that are going to challenge us throughout the day. Just having that sweet time with the Lord uh, of, of just starting our day. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we're in the car, maybe putting on some teaching or, or some worship songs or whatever. And at night, laying our head down, ending the day in prayer. Right. Th those are sweet things for us. Those are things that we enjoy uh, being with the Lord. It's always a sweet blessing to be with the Lord. It shall be most holy to you. And uh, like there's the, the repeated warning there. Don't make any for yourselves. It shall be holy for very specific worship um, and uh, set apart. Uh, the worship of God is very sacred. 
Chapter 31, we should be able to get through this. I think we started about 20 minutes after, so I'm going to stick to that one-hour time frame, right? Exodus 31, artisans building uh, the tabernacle. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Guys, if I'm hiring somebody to do some work around my house, call him Bezalel, right? Somebody somebody who's been filled with it. I know there are plenty of Christian people that I would call to do some work, right? Verse 4, uh, to uh, design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work all manner of workmanship. This guy is blessed, right? God has set him apart, given a, a it even says, and filled him with the spirit of God. This is a wise person full of understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. So this guy can can uh, design, uh, he can uh, work with gold, silver, bronze, cutting of jewels for setting and carving of wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Uh, this, this dude has been set aside by the Lord for a very precious and specific thing. Verse 6 says, And I, indeed I, have appointed Aholiab, the son of us. Yeah, that guy, uh, of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts uh, to all the gifted artisans that they may take, uh, that they may make all that I have commanded you. The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the covenant, uh, the testimony, they are even doing it in my brain, guys, and the mercy seat that is on it. And all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and the utensils, the pure gold of the lampstand and all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the labor in its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments uh, for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I've commanded you, they shall do. To sum up what's being said here, where God guides, he provides. He literally is God. This is God saying, I got all of this taken care of. I know, Moses, you just saw some great things. You heard some great things. This is how you're going to do all of this because I've gifted people to be able to take care of all of these things. I remember we had a, uh, a church work day here. Josh, were you here when we did the um, – uh, the uh, Jason and JD, they built the the – cabinet uh in the bathroom the big closet do you remember that i just remember watching all these guys you know josh is pretty skilled with that type of stuff as a carpenter all these things i found myself walking around the church and i'm like i'm not a car i'll be i'm the guy that like holds the board I'm like hey you need some stuff here I, like i can help with things like hey i need you to screw those three things in just like this boom boom i can do that all day right i'm not the visionary i, I you know if you need me to measure something i can do all those things but i can't like I can't frame things up myself. I can be the assistant there, right? But these guys, and it was cool just to watch. Everybody's doing their things and everything. And I just found myself being the guy like, hey, I'm going to get that trash out of here. This was, I don't know, 15 years ago? It was a long time ago, right? And there, there's, I mean, there's so much happening. This church has changed so much. Like the physical look of this church has changed so much over the years. And usually it's just somebody who knows what they're doing. Like, oh, hey, we're going to move that wall. 
Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I see a wall. I'm like, that's immovable. And they're like, no, no, no. We just push it back five feet. We paint around it. You wouldn't even know it was there. Because that window used to be, like, way up here. Right? So you can see there was a hole. Uh, because that was, um, when we first came here, that was the nursery. My office is the nursery. Uh, and then this was the nursing mother's room right here. And I think there might have even been a third room that was, like, um, a children's ministry. Uh, because it was there and in the kitchen. We didn't have upstairs. We had to these doors from here, and then the church has expanded, and we took over the front section and then the front section upstairs. So it's kind of cool to see what the Lord has done here. But it's amazing to watch because our landlords are like, eh, whatever, just do whatever, and uh, as long as you're making improvements to the church, uh, we're, uh, to the building, we're fine with it. So uh, we'll uh, we get permission, and we would just do whatever. They're actually, where Casey is, that's two old bathrooms right there. Right, just sitting right there. We have chairs over them right now. There's, there's a lot. Of, actually, Josh told me that the other day. I'm like, you're right. I forgot all about that. Right. So these two nice bathrooms we have here. We used to have two uh, larger ones. I remember having to go in and you know, knock on the door, make sure there's no ladies in there, and and go in. They, they're two old, big old look like barn stalls almost, you know. And and just how 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 much has changed? Because we had people here to do it, right? It, when when we look at Bezalel and and um. And uh, Aholiab, uh, these were people that that were that were overseeing everybody that was going to do that. They knew everything that needed to be done, and these guys could come to the point of saying, "This is what we need to do." This and and they were, had all the wisdom. They had everything they needed, and they could knock all these things out. You know, incredibly skilled, incredibly gifted. Uh, and, and the Lord says, "I have put the uh, put the wisdom in their hearts, and that He had gifted them. It was a gift from the Lord." A precious thing uh, from God. I was telling my girls the other day, I'm like, you know the saying, like, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> I'm not going to the NBA, <laughs> right? I'm 44 years old. I don't even like basketball, but you, you see what I'm saying, right? I'm five foot nine. I can't jump. I can't really dribble that well. I'm not that good of a shot. If I put all my time into it, I might be able to join like a, a men's group here, you know, and but I'm so so that if you can do anything you put your mind to, some people are gifted, right? Some people have uh, just the the extra uh, oomph, you know. That's why you know when I've seen um, you guys remember Nomar Garcia Parra, right? The baseball player, the Red Sox player. He always had the weird. I I love Nomar. He was great. I hated watching him bat, right? Because he's doing the thing. He touch. He was very superstitious, and he's unzipping. I hated watching him bat and then be a ball, and he'd do it all over again, every pitch, right? So Nomar married a soccer player, Mia Hamm. And as soon as I heard that they married and they've got kids, I'm like, those kids are going to be amazing athletes because of their DNA, right? Some people are just gifted, right? I'm not going to be a professional baseball player. That would be great. I just I, that, that, I wasn't designed to do that. These men were designed. They were gifted specially by God for this very specific purpose. What a wonderful thing. These guys, their names are in the Bible, right? <laughs> People have been reading these things for thousands of years, and they've been reading these hands and how, these, uh, these uh, scriptures and seeing how the Lord had blessed their hands, I should say. Incredible gifts and talents. You know, why were they giving them? To glorify God. To use their talent to glorify God for his glory and they were to take no glory. They were to use their talents uh, for God. Uh, and uh, whatever talents we have, we're never going to experience a greater fulfillment than using them for the Lord and for his purpose.
How many, now think about it, how many, I was going to say actors, but how many uh, musical, uh, successful uh, musicians, right? Uh, and we've, how many stories have we heard of this person being on top of the music world and then they're dead? Because they realize once they get to the top, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's still an emptiness there. Are people incredibly talented? Yes. Do they make great, great music? Yes. But the fulfillment comes in using our gifts for the Lord. Amen. All right. Verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. It is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, uh, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from his people. Uh, work shall be done for six days, but, on, uh, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking uh, with him on Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So we made it to the end of the chapter, and I'll be um, uh, I'll be as brief as I can. Well, we're not even over time, so I'm not even going to apologize. So uh, the Sabbath, the Lord describes the Sabbath as a sign between him and the children of Israel forever. Uh, as it's, as he said uh, several times in there for the Jews uh, and for Gentile converts to Judaism. So uh, if there was a profaning of the uh, Sabbath, it was a, it would result in death. And working on it uh, results in um, uh, death. And it says you shall work six days, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath rest. Holy to the Lord. Uh, keep the Sabbath to observe it throughout their generations. Perpetual covenant um, between uh, perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. Right? Me and the children of Israel uh, forever. So God reminding them at the end of it, God was uh, reminding uh, Moses of the need for rest. So God finished speaking uh, with him on Mount Sinai, gave him the two tablets of stone, uh, uh, and uh, it says that they were written with the finger of God. Now, before we get in uh, further into that, uh, understand regarding uh, the uh, the Sabbath. Uh, Christians, uh, we know that we meet on the first day uh, of the week. Uh, you know, if you uh, even in Span Spanish, Saturday is Sabado, right? Uh, so it, it's it's Sabbath, the Sabbath, right? Uh, when when you consider, right? Um, uh, we uh, have to understand that as Christians, it's still proper for us to uh, to work, to rest, and to worship. We need those things. Uh, the, the scriptures uh, tell us that we need those things. Now concerning uh, uh, the Sabbath day, uh, there are uh, the Seventh-day Adventists, 
um, uh, they meet on, on, on Saturday. They believe in fulfilling the law uh, and, uh, and uh, their, the writings of Ellen G. White. Uh, it, it's called. Um, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say it as, as nice as I can. Um, but there is not a, uh, according to uh, what we can read and what we get in the New Testament, there isn't a requirement for Christians to uphold the Sabbath. Uh, as the Lord said right here, it shall be a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. Do Christians need to rest? Yes. Do we need to worship? Yes. But a day, Sabbath, okay, so Saturday, uh, how many people get all of their work around the house done on Saturday, right? That's our culture. Consider that, right? Uh, that, that's, uh, so consider this. If somebody wants to observe the, the Sabbath as a Christian, great. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says, Let no one judge you in food or drink, or regarding festival or new moons or Sabbaths, uh, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So if you, if you observe the Sabbath as a Christian, great. If you don't, great. Paul's saying, if you do, don't let anybody judge you. Romans 14.5 says, uh, One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Okay? If you're fully convinced in your own mind that you need to... Because one thing I'll warn you is uh, if we try to fulfill the Sabbath, try starting your car. You know, because there were laws that came down to like you couldn't even stoke the fire. Right? So because that was work. Right? So you got to turn your hand to stoke the fire in your car, right? Because there's the ignition process, right? So there are all kinds of things that can go in there. So I'm just encourage you with uh, with Colossians 2, Romans 14:5. Understand that uh, that Christians uh, meet on Sunday uh, to start the first day of the week. Uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. We've already discussed uh, the Sabbath also uh, back uh, in the uh, Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. So. Um, to finish this off, God finished speaking to Moses, gives him the tablets. And uh, I, I love that it says, written with the finger of God. He had just gotten the word of God, and now God gives it to him. You know, the saying, written in stone, if it's written in stone. That means it's permanent, right? And it's written by the finger of God. That's just an amazing thing. Was it like a lightning bolt? Who knows? Uh, but the, written with the finger of God, I think it's awesome, right? Consider what the Lord does in our heart. Uh, last verse I have, uh, reference I have for you, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. It says, you are our epistle written on, uh, on our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered uh, by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of st stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. You know, the Lord, the Lord lights, writes his law and his word on our hearts. You know, when we consider what we have available to us, right? These tablets of stone, when Moses gets down, down the hill, right? You know, uh, consider, you know, when he gets down the hill, he sees everything that's happening. Gets a little frustrated with those in his hand, doesn't he, right? Moses' time on Mount Sinai is finished. It's now time to descend we know that he's got work and craziness that's right ahead of him, and he's got to deal with uh, with gross sin uh, at at the the bottom of the mountain because everybody had uh, you know convinced uh, Aaron and um, uh, the other guy's name. It's like two letters, and I can't think of it right now. The other guy, 
right, that's there with Aaron uh, to keep track of everything. And they've all convinced him. Moses is not coming down, so the people have, have uh, convinced Aaron that he is uh, uh, that they just need to uh, make a golden calf and they're going to worship it. So, um, and with that came pagan doings and all those things. But uh, so we've seen all this happening. We've we've been able to study through what God said uh, was needed for uh, worship and to pre for the preparations of the tabernacle. And uh, we'll get into 32 next week. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful uh, for your word. We pray, Lord, that we would take uh, these things that we've learned and and uh, remember what we need to. And uh, we'd, we'd love to remember it all. Apply things where we need to apply them in our lives. Understanding worship and prayer is so precious and holy to you. We pray, Lord, that we would uh, keep it that way in our hearts, in our lives, and that it would be evident to those around us. Lord, that we would be able to, uh, to share by the way we live our lives and be able to share your gospel. When it, you know, Let our light so shine before men that when they see our good works, it would glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.